He's holding on to something, and it's his music career. It's Jeff Carson on the Music Universe podcast. Hey, buddy. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. How about you, Matt? I'm great. This was a fun one to do because we got to talk about Branson a little mm-hmm. bit because that's where it all kind of started for Jeff Carson before moving to Nashville, and you hear the whole story. So cool to get to talk to him. It was it was neat to uh, to see him back. Uh, a friend of mine posted on Facebook that he was playing. I said, let's do an interview because his story is really interesting. Yeah, and I've always been a fan uh, of the song that I quoted coming into this. Holding on to mm-hmm. something was the first song that I really started enjoying because when I was younger, I just really liked up-tempo songs. I didn't like slow songs that much. Sure. And then, of course, he's got the iconic The Car and then Real Life. And obviously, he cut a version of Butterfly Kisses that uh, you know he charted on, on country radio. But uh, just talking to Jeff, real down to earth guy. And, uh, you know, he, he did, uh, he, he talks about kind of uh, putting music aside for quite a while, about 20 years or so, and uh, heading back into, uh, or actually into law enforcement, which is what he's been doing full time. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really neat to hear his story and how it now comes full circle as he's uh, starting back up. Here's Jeff. Jeff Carson, welcome to the Music Universe podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good to see you. Oh, awesome. Good to have you. Great to have you. Great to meet you. And just want to talk about your career. You have such great, iconic songs. I know I have uh, some of your albums and uh, just enjoy listening to those hits from the 90s, like The Car and Holding On to Something's my absolute favorite. And of course, you have Butterfly Kisses. How are you doing with uh, with things? I know you took some time away and now you're a police officer, but it looks like you're uh, starting to get back into it. Yeah, I tell you, I, I, it was probably 2001, uh, my last thing I had on the charts. It was real life. I never was a saving in. I, uh, leading up to that, you know, I had a big hit, had some big hits in the mid-90s to late-90s. Then a, two or three years really kind of fell off. And um, when that song, Real Life, got me back on, in the top 20, I was just so thankful and really relishing it all at that point. Um, but yeah, when, uh, actually I was going to have my album release party on, uh, the morning of nine 11. So at that point it all, it all changed. Um, and I, I don't know how to say that story. I'm, I'm not saying poor little me. It's just, that's, that was the end of really essentially of, of, of my music career. Um, uh, the only other thing I wanted to do was be a cop. If I couldn't play music for a living, which is my dream to be a cop was my second dream so not many people get to uh experience two things they want to do yeah and was 9-11 kind of the turning point knowing that hey i want to go do this now it really no if it came across that way no not really that was just that was just uh i finally had a resurge and i was going to have a good charting song it was it was going so well and uh and i and i knew that was probably my last chance because you know i did try to make it uh, two or three years after that and I you know I, I just I had a newborn son at that time I wasn't really uh I wasn't pulling my weight man and I, mm-hmm. I just had to I had to go out there and get a real job you know mm-hmm. yeah well I, you know my dad's retiring in fact by the time this airs he might be retired uh because oh. he only has got about four weeks left 35 years on the force. So I can say, wow. thank you for your service. I mean, thank you. It, it's amazing to go from music, which can be a cushy, cushy experience, especially, especially if you have hits and 
you know, you're the flavor of the month, flavor of the year, to going and pounding the pavement and serving your community. Was that a bit of an adjustment to go from music to being a police officer? It was, although I was so excited because, you know, I always had an affinity for law enforcement. When I went on the road, uh, if there was, if we were graced to have enough time to actually spend the night somewhere, which is rare, I'd always set up a ride along with police officers, wherever the area I happen to be. And I just always loved hanging out with them and, and getting a feel for what they do. So when it came time to, Hey, I need another job of music. Uh, that was the only thing that interested me. And to believe, believe it or not, I was 44 when I got hired. So they, they called me the Jurassic rookie. <laughs> so I, I felt blessed to be hired at, at that late stage in life. And now you're transitioning back into kind of playing music as well on a, uh, is it a regular basis now as well as being a, an officer still? No, being an officer is still my full-time job. You know, I've, I've learned to, I'm, first of all, I never say never, but yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> it would, it would have to be something pretty uh, dramatic to be able to change. What I'm doing now is just, I've worked, long enough to have well more uh, vacation time than I need and uh, to be able to go out and do shows I've got the next two weeks I've, I go to Illinois next week and then Texas the week after that and uh, you know it's just uh, just acquire that vacation time and use it when I can to play music yeah I uh, I'm from uh, Missouri and I'm getting are you from uh, Arkansas yeah right up in the northwest corner yeah, I'm from about southeast Missouri, like the Farmington area, if you're familiar yeah. with it. Gravit is where I'm from. Gravit, it's right up in that top left corner, about 10 miles from Oklahoma and seven from Missouri. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So you're, I because I, I was reading your bio earlier, and uh, you had kind of decided on Branson, which I know Matt it loves Branson. I've been there several times. Um, and then your wife convinced you Nashville. I mean, that was... That yeah. was a great choice. Yeah, I got to hand it to her. You know, we I was I was happy in Branson and playing and having a good mm -hmm. time. But it was uh, getting with her. She she's really the one that pushed us to move to Nashville and give it a try, see what happens. I don't I don't think I would have done it without her. I know I wouldn't. Once you got to Nashville, I mean, this is cool because we we kind of have a thing with uh, with Opryland. I, I actually lived in Nashville for a couple of years myself to work on music uh, a decade ago, but. Opryland Hotel is so unique and you got there and you started playing almost immediately, right? Yes. And that's, you know, I was so blessed to, to move here to Nashville and not have to wait tables and, and do things like that. I, I fell right into this. Uh, my wife's from Texas and she knew a friend of hers that went to her high school in Texas was living somewhere here in Nashville. Didn't even know she played music, but she looked her up and said hi and found out what she was doing. And she and her husband were playing a regular gig at the Opryland Hotel as a duo and just started looking for a bass player for a trio. And that's playing bass is what I did in Branson. So I, uh, so I stepped right in with them and gosh, started a full-time playing gig right off the bat. I was so lucky. Where in Branson did you play? I, I know that town like the back of my hand. Unfortunately, we could talk for hours about what's happened. But in the when you were there, it was just starting to kind of explode. Where were you, where did you perform in Branson? It was kind of across from the Presleys. It was called mm -hmm. Ozarks Country Jubilee. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you yep. remember? Yeah. It had all the uh, 
pur- everything was kind of purple. Like uh, the the sign had those sparkly things. It was it was yep. all purple. Um, I went back for the first time last year to Branson. I hadn't been back in probably twenty years, wow. and uh, yeah, it's not even there anymore. The building's gone. Uh, uh, it took me a while. It took me talk to a few of the regulars to figure out where it even was. Had been. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Branson is changing so much so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Jim Stafford doesn't even own his theater anymore. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. It was bought by a condo company, and uh, well, we could we could talk about this off. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> I'm I trying to write too. a book on it. It's it's just uh, it's interesting what happened because you know in the '90s all these performers that wanted to get off the road built there, and yeah. then nobody else followed. So after the '90s, it kind of petered out a little bit and is changing but uh, you were there in the heyday and and that's that's awesome and it's so cool yeah, there, at, at the time there were there were only a couple of shows that had uh, national artists in from time to time mm-hmm. uh, um i can't remember one was some sisters that like three sisters that sang the Lennon sisters probably yeah yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh, they would have artists in. I saw Jerry Reed there. I was always a big Jerry Reed fan. And mm-hmm. then Roy Clark put in his, wow. uh, uh, he put his his building out there. Saw John Schneider and uh, Lee Greenwood. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. it was fun. But there wasn't uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of that going on. It's more of your, your, just your family variety shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I looked into it a few years ago. I have a musician friend that had worked there for a while and he said, that a lot of times these days you're, you know, if you're going to be a band member, you're also going to be uh, staff, like taking tickets or directing parking. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, all of that stuff. And then there's a clause you can't really drive or go too far out of town because if they want you, you, you have to be there. And if I'm going to play music, which I love to do, it, I, my mind has to be focused on that, not taking yeah. tickets, not doing this. That yeah. just was not that's something an awful I was lot, interested in. That's an awful lot to ask somebody to do that kind of thing. I remember one, uh, the owner who owned well, at one time was uh, kind of coming down on everybody. He thought everyone was tired at night and said, we need to need to cut down on your uh, like boating and things you're doing during the day. It's like, oh. <laughs> Iron fist. <laughs> yeah i got us i got us down a nice little rabbit hole there didn't i <laughs> yeah, yeah well <laughs> uh, oh, like i said branson is like the ultimate ultimate rabbit hole for me um so then you moved to nashville your bass player at the opry what was your big break for for your first hit you mean as far as my career or yeah your big break as- how'd you get your record deal and and things okay. happened, started happening that- in the 90s that really stemmed from um, singing demos uh, for songwriters. You know, I got to going to these open mic nights and writers nights and, and meeting other writers. And uh, they started using me to sing demos, did a few free at first, you know, just to get my foot in the door. And mm-hmm. um, like I would sing a song that someone wrote and they hired me to go into the studio and record it. And he may have co-written it with someone else. And then next time that guy uses me and he has a co-writer. So it just kind of kept mushrooming out. Where uh, by the time I got signed to Curb Records, because of singing demos, because that really got my voice all over Nashville for artists who were looking for materials, you know, producers and label heads. Uh, by the time I got signed to Curb for that reason, I, gosh, I was doing 20, 30 demos a week. I was constantly wow. singing. So really got my voice around town, which led to the music deal. I'm reading here. You did some pretty nice demo work here. Tracy Lawrence. Uh, 
I see it now, big hit. Tracy Bird walking to Jerusalem, my favorite, Reba, the heart is a lonely hunter. I'd love to hear your version too. <laughs> Tim McGraw, I wouldn't want it any other way. And Faith Hill, it matters to me, which I can't hear a guy singing that personally, but I would, <laughs> sounds interesting. You know, uh, I had an, until about two years ago, I had a huge cardboard box and it just followed me from house to house. It's been, it was been under this house, uh, gosh, since we moved here 10, 12 years ago, about two years ago, I dug it out and said, these tapes are going to fall apart. I need to get them up. And I took the time to take all these tapes, put them in my cassette player and record them on my pro tools and just to have them save them, you know, and a lot mm -hmm. of them were so bad quality even by then i had to ditch him but yeah i still have a lot of those uh, demos that i sang that went on to be big hits the original wow. versions wow you have any way of possibly releasing the ones that you that are actually turned out it's funny you mentioned that uh you know i'm with mc1 records a little independent label and they've really been doing some great things with me i appreciate them uh there's talk of uh doing the whole album of uh called the hits the songs that i didn't they don't, people don't know I'm connected with, but it's the ones like you mentioned this there, probably, yeah. probably 15 songs that went on to be big hits for other artists that I sang first. <laughs> oh, that'll be awesome to hear. I'm looking yeah, forward so to that. Keep your fingers crossed on that one. Yeah. And uh, you actually got a new single. That's why we're here today too. God Save the World. It sounds very intriguing. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was, it was originally on an album I had on Curb. It wasn't released as a single. It was just on an album. Um, I, when I got with MC1 Records last year, you know, with the state of the world and everything the way it was, they said, how about we could recut that song and put it out as a single? And I agreed. And uh, yeah, March 4th, uh, it went, it got into the top 40 of uh, Music Row, ended up going to 35. But, but March 4th is a special day for me because... Uh, that was the first time I'd had anything in the top 40 uh, on the music road chart in 20 years. Wow. That's amazing. And, and it's a very, uh, very poignant song, very connected to your faith with that. How, what does it feel like to release something in this type of world that we're in right now? Well, it, it really fit the way I believe many people were feeling, including myself. It's just, you know, it, we just need some help sometime, you know, uh, and it was, I was very proud of the first version. Matter of fact, Curb Records uh, contacted me when it got into on the top 40 and uh, said, how about we release the original version as a, you know, give radio stations the option to play either one. And uh, so they kind of came on board and it's good to get to say hi to them and get to get a, reacquainted with a lot of the people. That's awesome. That is so cool. I know you said, it's, it's not enough yet to make it full time, but you do have 20 years on the force. Could you see maybe, you know, a couple of years down the road retiring and, uh, and I have retirement on the brain, like I said, cause, cause I'm a dad, but uh, retiring and maybe trying to get back into music full time because nineties nostalgia, I think is really at kind of an all time high with country music fans. And I think people are kind of revolting against bro country and headed back uh, trying to go back a couple of decades. Yeah, it's funny. The pendulum always kind of swings one way so far till people, you know, back everyone in the mid nineties were called hat acts. Everyone wore a cowboy hat and they're all mm -hmm. uh, not real traditional, but it's kind of swinging away from traditional in the contemporary. But uh, it, it's funny. It'll swing some way so far. And then it'll be so contemporary that someone over here releases something really original and, 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 
traditional and mm-hmm. then everybody oh that sounds different everybody runs that way you know so so i i think there is a real a big resurgence in the, the 90s music right now thank goodness are there any guys out there any girls out there right now that you're really uh, excited about uh, that has music uh, you know like luke holmes he's really the kind of the one i'm looking at that's bringing 90s back Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there are a lot, man. To, to put my finger on just one would, would be hard to do. Uh, there, yeah, there there's a lot of them, that, and I've kind of gotten reacquainted with with a few of them too, and acquainted some of them I didn't even know. Just uh, over the over the last six or eight months, got to got to see and play some with some other artists. So it's 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 a blessing to be out here in the music field again. Yeah, there's nothing quite like the Nashville community. Yeah. Well, Jeff, this has been a lot of fun talking to you. I mean, my gosh, both of us, big fans of your music, uh, big fans of you. Hope to see you on the road on one of your vacation days from being a police officer. And thank you for doing what you do, especially in this. We don't like to get too political on the show, but I'm glad my dad's retiring because of you talk about pendulum swinging. Pendulum swinging with the police with the police is a whole other conversation so thank you yeah. for continuing to stay brave and do what you do while also escaping uh, into music and giving uh, giving us fans something to look forward to as well well thank you guys i appreciate that matt and appreciate it buddy i, I thank you all for having me on and and uh, hope to talk to you again oh thank absolutely you, tell tell everybody before we go where they can yeah, please. Uh, find your music and find you online yeah uh, facebook uh, and instagram is official jeff carson uh, I have website is jeff-carson.com. So uh, check that out. I, I do a uh, throwback Thursday on my Facebook and Instagram every week. So I've taken requests, uh, you know, just, just depends on what, what hits me, but yeah, I got a lot of reaction from all those been doing that over a year now. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I dabble in those throwbacks every once in a while when I find something that's worth sharing. Uh, can we find you on Spotify, all the all the tr- new traditional outlets, I guess? Yes, I don't know how that's all done now anymore, but I know the MC1 Records did to take care of putting that all out to the different uh, platforms and everything. So much of this is over my head, man. I, I sound like an old... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember going to CRS uh, 95, Country Radio Seminar, mm-hmm. and, uh, and our Curb Records had a... Um, a suite upstairs and they were inviting all the people to come surf the web i'm like what the heck is that that shows how old i am <laughs> now that now that's a part of our everyday lives and beyond yeah. every day we don't know how to do without it no all we right, don't all right jeff well appreciate it again stay safe and thank you again for doing what you do and uh we'll hope to see you soon okay thanks guys i appreciate you you know, it was so cool to hear him talk about being 44, being what they call the Jurassic Rookie, you heard him say there. There's a show on ABC, I'm not sure if it was renewed, called The Rookie with Nathan Fillion, who people know mm-hmm. from Firefly, where he plays a middle-aged rookie who goes into law enforcement. So it's not terribly uncommon for people to make that career change and go into law enforcement. So that was really cool that his department was supportive of him coming in as somebody in that age bracket yeah and you know i i don't uh, i don't doubt that because it's middle tennessee and having yeah. lived there for a couple of years it's very homey very family oriented and friendly i mean everybody just has to have a good chip on their shoulder and everybody's willing to you know give you a shot in some way and that, that's really cool that he did that and it's really neat that he's 
returning to music, even at, at the part-time aspect that he's doing. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see him out on the road. And I'm really looking forward to that uh, so-called, I'll, I'll call it the demo project. <laughs> would be great to hear him, um, you know, his version the, of the those songs. The title should be, I Sang It First. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It should have been my hit. <laughs> <laughs> I was first. <laughs> Some but, of the uh, more yeah. female songs I'd be interested to hear the, the male version of. But, you know, we were talking about 90s country and you mentioned Luke Combs. And I had a thought yesterday in the car. We were driving along. We were listening to Conway Twitty. And mm -hmm. I said yeah. out loud, without thinking about it, said out loud, I think Luke Combs is the modern day Conway Twitty. And for purely aesthetic reasons, number one, he has a very deep voice that makes certain people swoon when he goes into love songs. Mm -hmm. um, and number two, my friend pointed this out, Conway Twitty was not exactly a looker. He was not somebody who was like right. this tall, attractive God. His, his sex appeal came from his deep baritone and the love songs he sang. Well, right. Luke Combs is a bigger guy with a full red beard, new redheaded stranger, maybe, uh, you know, with a full red beard. He's a big, bulky guy. But when he opens his mouth, you know, none of what you would think Hollywood or the music industry, none of that matters because right. he is so damn talented. And in fact, his aesthetic, I think I mentioned this to you for the opener for, for uh, uh, Alabama was Jake Hoot. Uh, who has a similar aesthetic to Luke Combs and Jake won the voice uh, in wow. his season. So, um, you know, the way, just the way it, everything old is new again, and you can see those kinds of things. I don't know. Maybe I'm the first to say that Luke is, is kind of the modern day Conway Twitty. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, if uh, things go accordingly, um, about uh, a month and a half, two months away at the time we're recording this from seeing Luke for the first time. That was supposed to Well, don't jinx it. So don't jinx well, I'm, it. Hey, I'm not jinxing it. I'm being honest with the way things have been going. Yeah. We, we got oh, yeah. we, we to gotta be mindful that uh, anything can still happen. Indeed. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about cancellations or postponements. Most of them so far at the time we're recording this have just been postponed because crew members or band members have been catching it, but they're not fully sure. uh, postponing the tour, uh, you know, but the uh, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, unfortunately, has been scrapped for this year due to rising COVID cases in New Orleans and across the country. I know Nashville just had the Music City Grand Prix, 100,000 mm -hmm. people were in and I heard hotels were booked. Right. So people so. are eager to see this stuff. Let's do what we have to to continue to see that happen. Right. Well, for the Music Universe podcast, I'm Matt. And um, Bunny, I've ranted enough. Keep checking out themusicuniverse.com and all of our socials as well as tmupod.com for where you can hear this show. Take care. <laughs>